listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast again today. Ted Shuttlesworth back with you and happy to be with you today on this Monday. And um, the podcast is being released just a little bit later than normal today. But we are here in Albemarle, North Carolina with my friend, Pastor Brian Wright at Boomerang Church. And we're having a revival all week called Kickstart 19. And we're also jumping live on Facebook every morning at 1030 Eastern Time. And this is a week that we're going to be covering the subject, um, how to unlock your covenant right of divine healing. Very, very important subject. And um, so as a result, we're going to be praying for people all week that need a miracle in their life and need healing. So I want to encourage you to join us if you've not done so, you didn't know. Um, Join us on our Facebook page every morning, uh, Monday through Friday at 1030 a.m., and we're doing these uh, these every single week, different topic each week, and I know it'll be a massive blessing to you. Hey, let me say this to you before we jump into the subject today. Um, if you haven't gotten a chance to do this yet, and you'd like to get the free ebook devotional that we're giving away, 40-day devotional on how to live in the power of overwhelming joy, um, and a free copy of our magazine as well. You can go to miracleword.com forward slash live. That's miracleword.com forward slash live. And you can sign up right there. And then let me say, we've been doing something brand new. And I've been staying more closely in contact with our friends and those of us that are, um, you know, connected through this ministry. And uh, anytime we have an update or something that we want to let you know about, I've been sending out, you know, a text message personally to just let you know what's happening in the ministry uh, and everything like that. So if you'd like to receive those text messages from me, very easy on that same page, miracleword.com forward slash live at the very bottom, there's a section that includes text updates. And all you have to do is click yes, pop your phone number in, and uh, I'll add you to my contact list. And, and uh, anytime something's worth updating you about, I'll shoot you a message. You can also respond back to me. And uh, I'm looking forward to connecting with you and hearing from you. But we definitely want to send you those free gifts, the magazine, as well as the ebook. And uh, it's going to be great. So just wanted to give you a heads up on that. All right, let's jump in today. Um, I wanted to show you something from the Word of God. And as you saw from the title of this podcast, I want to deal with three things that God wants but does not have. Three things God wants but he does not have. And these are so important and so vital because they play into whether or not you can receive the blessing that God has for your life. And I don't think I've met a Christian yet that doesn't want to be blessed or receive the good things God's got prepared for them. But many times they're held back. They don't, they don't have the ability to get what God has prepared for them because they don't know God has an order. God has a system and you can't go around his order. You can't go around his system. You have to do it his way. So today, that's what we're talking about. Three things that God wants, but does not have. And I'm finding this today in the book of Zephaniah chapter one. 
And I'll give you just a second to turn there if you've got your Bible out. Uh, some people, you might be a, a newer believer. Maybe you've been in church for 20 years. And uh, I said Zephaniah, and you were thanking God for the contents page. Some of you were in Zechariah. So I'll give you a second to turn there. Zephaniah chapter 1, one verse of Scripture, and that's verse 6. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and the Bible says, And I will destroy those. This is God speaking, by the way. I will destroy those who used to worship me, but now no longer do. They no longer ask for the Lord's guidance or seek my blessings. So catch these three things real quick. Number one, I will destroy those who used to worship me, but now no longer do. They no longer ask for the Lord's guidance And number three, they no longer seek my blessings. So I want to quickly break down these three things for you and show you the importance of each one of them, because here's three things God wants from you, but does not have. Number one, I'll destroy those who used to worship me. Now, now I want to show you this before we even start talking about the three. It's that not that God's disappointed that he doesn't have these things. You see that from the verse? It's not that God's disappointed. You know, I really wish I could get these three things from them, but I just, you know, I can't get it, and I just wish that I'd. No, it's not that he's disappointed. In fact, the Lord is angered, apparently, from the Scripture. And look what he's saying about his own people. I will destroy them. So it makes God so angry when these things don't take place. It provokes him to wrath in the Old Testament here. Provokes him to wrath. And... These are things that are obviously dear to his heart because of the fact he loves you that much. And so, number one, the Bible says they used to worship me, but now they no longer do. It's very important that as you serve the Lord throughout your life, one of the temptations that you'll face as a believer is that you will find yourself in a place where you can let your fire go out, if you will. Or lose, a better way to say it maybe is that you would lose your zeal for the Lord. You know, it's really easy. And maybe if you're looking back over your life, maybe you can remember when you first got saved and how excited you were to serve the Lord. And like, you know, you were telling everybody, man, you got to come to the church I go to and you're so excited and you're, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're witnessing and you're sharing your faith and you're faithful to every service at church and you're reading your Bible every day and I'm praying and you know, all these things are, are happening in your life. You're zealous. Why? Because it's a new experience. But as you continue through your life with God, you have to see it's very common that many people allow their fire to go out. What does that mean? They lose their zeal for God. They lose their excitement for the things of God. And one of the things that can easily happen is that one of the first things to go is your praise and your worship. Um, and I've said this for years in preaching on praise and worship that you can see what happens is when people are desperate for God to touch them, when they're desperate for a miracle, they're desperate for a breakthrough, you know, people lose their inhibition. They don't care what they look like. I need my mortgage paid. We're getting ready to get evicted from our house. My son's got a disease. My wife is dying at the hospital. I've got to get a miracle. And so they don't care what people think of them when they're, you know, praying and shouting and dancing and crying and trying to get into the presence of God. They don't care because they are desperate for a touch from God. But see what happens, and it's a dangerous thing for some, 
is that when God answers your prayer and when God begins to bless you and take you to the next level, the temptation there is to get comfortable. And when you get comfortable, you you can easily enjoy the blessing and forgot who blessed you. You can easily begin to think by deception that it was your own strength and power and ability that got you where you are. And you forget it had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with the wonderful God you serve. And so what the enemy tries to do is to get us comfortable so that we will think that the blessing we're experiencing has to do with us, but it really has everything to do with God. And and the result is like when you start getting into those places of blessing, the good places in life where there's not really a struggle anymore, you're not like struggling to pay your bills month after month, week by week, you're not in debt anymore, you're not in a place where you know, you don't you're not sick necessarily, there's no disease in your life or in your family. And so you're kind of you can easily throw it into cruise control and just start to coast in your Christianity. But understand, and I'll never ever forget hearing this. Uh, Pastor Enoch Adeboye said this, and I thought, man, that is one of the most powerful things I've ever heard. And that is this, God doesn't just check your attitude and your actions when you're going through a test or when an attack is coming against you. He also takes a look at your actions and your attitude after you've experienced victory. God wants to see what you're going to do after you've gained a victory. Are you going to give him the praise? Are you going to give him the honor? Are you going to give him the glory? Are you going to act like it was your own strength and forget about him when things are going good? And uh, I'll never forget that, that God doesn't just see how you respond to attacks. He wants to see how you respond to victories. And uh, one of the dangerous things we could do is to forget giving him his praise, forget giving him his thanksgiving when he does something spectacular, magnificent. And see, it made him so angry here in Zephaniah 1, 6. He said, I will destroy those who used to worship me, but now they no longer do. You can let your praise fall on the back shelf and get dusty, but you've got to learn how that it's just as important, if not more important, to give God praise and worship in the good times, when you're blessed, when the bills are all paid, you know, when all those things are uh, um, are going the way that you've been praying that they would go. That's when it's important to continue to press in. You know, it's easy to pray for an hour a day when you have to because you're trying to believe for a breakthrough to happen and, you know, your wife's been diagnosed with cancer. It's easy to pray an hour, two hours a day when that's what you're going through. But what are you going to do when it's, you know, God's blessed you. You got a new house. You got a new job. Bonuses every month because you're so blessed. You know, you've got all you need. You, you've got enough to pay your bills, have plenty in the bank, bless other people, go on vacation, take and bless your family. Are you going to remember him then? Or is the new boat that he gave you, you know, because you love to fish and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Is your new boat going to cause you to just be out on the water fishing and skip your one hour of prayer a day that you used to engage in when you really needed God to come through for you? And so it's dangerous to allow yourself to fall into the trap of being blessed and allowing that to stop your dedication to the kingdom. Don't stop your dedication because you got your breakthrough. Because number one, I'll give you a couple of reasons why. Number one, 
it's prideful because in one in one sense people stop praising god because they think well you know i am talented you know i i do have a gift and so you know me being being able to do so well on this job i'm sure it had a lot to do with my charisma and my abilities and my mind and you know i was raised well and i did go to a good school and you start thinking it's you that that got you blessed like that it's not you it's god who do you think gave you the mind who do you think is the one who allowed you to be alive to even attend the schools who do you think opened the door for you to get into the places see it's god in every step of our life and so that's one reason it's pride it makes you think that you're the blesser but god's the blesser but number two as you think about this that when things are going well like that And you think, man, I'm blessed. I got this thing on lockdown. The problem with that is that you somehow have made up in your mind that you're at the best level you could be at. And that's it. Let me tell you something. That's a quick way to plateau. Thinking that where you are is, man, I've arrived. No, no. The Bible teaches that we can experience never ending increase. The path of the just is a shining light that shines more and more until the perfect day. That's Proverbs 4.18. There's never-ending increase available in the kingdom of God. And if you stop giving God praise on level three, because you started desperate at level one, he got you to level two, and then now you're at level three, if you stop praising there, you stop worshiping there, you'll miss out on the fact that God had a desire to take you to level 100 but but you stopped at level three because you thought it was the best God had for you. Keep pressing in and praising him like you're still on level one when you get to level 10, when you get to level 20, and see that God has never-ending increase available for you. And without a doubt, praise and worship provoke the goodness of God in your life. So number one, God does not have your praise and worship until you give it to him. He does not have your praise or your worship until you give it to him. And when you do give it to him, guess what? It allows him to activate his presence where you are and continue to take you higher. So that's number one. He does not have your praise or your worship until you give it to him. And these people had stopped giving it to him and it made him so angry. Why did it make him angry? Because that that is the very reason we were created to have fellowship with God, to worship God, to praise God. We're created to be his companions. And that's how we interact with him. And it made him so upset that they stopped doing it. He was ready to destroy them. And so we have to make up in our minds, I will never stop praising God. I love when the psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. You know, I've heard so many people exhort on that verse of scripture. I've done it myself and they twist it and put it on the other side. It's like, you know, we've got to praise him even when things aren't going good. You got to praise him when you're going through a test. The Bible said, I'll bless the Lord at all times. But you know, that is true. But you know what I'm realizing as I go through my life? People press in when there is persecution. People press in when there's problems. People press in when there's an attack. When people stop pressing in is when everything's going good. And so now I look at that verse, I will bless the Lord at all times, and realize that means when I'm on on vacation with the whole thing paid for, and I could just very easily lounge by the pool, but guess what? It's Sunday, and I still have a dedication to God even though I'm on vacation. I will find a church to be in on Sunday, even when I'm taking a break, 
and remember to give God all the praise and glory for his goodness and mercy toward me. I'll never let days go by that I don't praise him, worship him, and thank him for his goodness and his mercy. I'm going to be a person of praise and worship that God can use and bless at any given moment in time. Number two, he said the second thing that irritated him to the point of destroying his own people, they no longer ask for the Lord's guidance. They no longer ask for the Lord's guidance. The Bible says, David was a man after God's own heart. You look at the nature of David, the way that he interacted with God. Of course, he made mistakes. Of course, he had issues and problems. But his heart was, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Don't cast me out of your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That's the prayer that he prayed. And God said, I can work with a guy like this who understands his imperfection and knows that he needs me in his life if he's going to succeed. Well, there was a story that happened to David. There was a time where enemies came into his camp when he was gone and took the women and the children and left with them. And this is found in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30, I believe. And in that passage of scripture, such an interesting thing David does, and I think that plays into number two here, is that you'd think, you know, if somebody came and took my wife and my kids and and like abducted them and took them out, man, I'm going to turn into Liam Neeson from Taken and go after them and recover my kids and recover my wife and all my property, which is what happened to David and his men, by the way. And notice this story. David does not just take off with his mighty men. By the way, I mean, if you don't know how powerful David and his mighty men were, they not, you think Goliath was the only giant they killed? Those men went out and actually finished off all the rest of the giants that were in the world after Goliath. David and his mighty men killed every other giant that was left in the world. I mean, these guys were bad news. David's mighty men were so powerful. There was a time, just to give you a backstory on them, his mighty men were anointed to be warriors. And there was a time that uh, the Philistine army had surrounded Bethlehem. And David was just lamenting in his camp, wherever they were during the war. And he said, man, I could really go for a drink of water from the wells of Bethlehem. Three of his men were like, oh, for real, you want to drink from the waters of Bethlehem? And left the camp and literally pulled their swords out and cut their way through the enemy lines that was the Philistines surrounding Bethlehem, killed men after man after man after man, put them down, got to the wall, got to the well, stuck a little Dixie cup in, got a drink for David, and cut their way back out with the water, killed all the men as they're coming out, and got back to their camp. It was like, hey, here's that water you asked for. <laughs> I mean, have to like kill. And David was like, it's so, man, this thing is so... Uh, uh, you know, so holy and so reverential this moment, I can't even drink it. And he poured it on the ground. But I mean, that's how bad these guys were. They were tough dudes. So, you know, their wives taken, their children taken, their property taken. I'm sure they're all, you know, chomping at the bit to go kill their enemies and take their stuff back. But notice what David did. He said, I won't do one thing until I know that the Lord's going to be with me in what I do. And so what did he do before he went out after his wife, children, possessions? He said, I'm going to inquire of the Lord and see what does the Lord say? Because remember, there's a principle that's found for your life and for mine in in Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, 
they labor in vain that build it. And unless the Lord is guarding the city, the watchmen walk the walls in vain. Which means if you think you're going to guard your city without God's protection, you can have the best army in the world. It ain't going to work. You can think you're going to build something great without God. You're working in vain unless he's in it. And David knew that principle. So you know what he did? He said, I refuse to go on a war campaign to recover all my property until God says I'm going with you. So he prayed and he said, Lord, should I pursue them? Will I recover all that was taken? And God said, pursue, for you will surely recover all that was stolen. At that moment, David had the green light from God to go and take back what was his. That's why the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. They are ordered of the Lord. If you're a righteous man, if you're a righteous woman, you shouldn't be making moves in your life without asking for the Lord's guidance. I mean, do you really believe he has a plan for your life? The Bible says he does. It says in Jeremiah 29, God said, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Not plans to destroy you or hurt you, but plans to give you a future and a hope. You know, I actually heard a guy who was a professor, some religious guy that I was sitting down at a table with one time. I should have known that he wasn't that anointed. He was sitting there in khaki shorts with white tube socks and brown loafers. I was like, dude, this guy is out of his mind. Anyway, that's beside the point. He said, he's sitting there talking to another minister and he's like, you know, there's no such thing as spiritual Israel. That's just something that's been made up by blah, 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 blah. No such thing as spiritual Israel. You know, God said things to Israel and then God said things to, and I was like, and the other guy was like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Just being a total yes man, didn't even have any biblical knowledge himself. And you start to realize how foolish that is. Paul, the apostle, taught about spiritual Israel. He said that we've been grafted in to God's chosen people, Israel, That that through Christ we have become part of God's chosen people. So we are part of God's chosen people. We weren't born that way, but we were born again that way. And people say, well, that's Old Testament. Jeremiah 29, God was speaking directly to Israel. Well, let me ask you a question. The book of Hebrews chapter eight and verse, I believe it's verse six says that we have a better covenant established upon better promises. Are you telling me that in an old covenant that was not even close to as good as the one we have now, that God had a plan for those people and their lives that was for their hope and their future. But now that we're in the New Testament, his New Testament children, he has no plan for their lives and he has no plan for their future. Give me a break. God has better things available now than he did back then. This is a better covenant established on better promises. So when you read verses like Jeremiah 29, don't let some knucklehead say, well, that brother, that's Old Testament. That's just for the Jews. No, it's not. It's for the believer that has now been grafted into that vine, to that tree called Israel. We are part of God's chosen people. So he has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your family. And if you don't ask for his guidance, you can never know his plan. That's why the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter eight that uh, for as many as are the sons of God, they are led by the spirit of God. 
Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So one of your promises as a son of God is that you can be led by the Spirit of God. He can tell you which way to go. He can tell Let me tell you, I knew who I was going to marry when I first saw Carolyn. I mean, literally, I did, you know, I knew she was gorgeous, knew she, I mean, everything about her was amazing, but I said, God, I'm not moving forward till I get a word from the Lord. I'd made a mistake like that before in the past, just out of my own uh, desires. And I, and I didn't even think to ask the Lord and it was a mistake. So I said, I'm not having that happen again. I've learned my lesson. I'm going to go by what God says to me. And uh, I did a three day, I, I remember it to this day, three days of fasting and prayer. It was March the 27th of 2005 when I got my answer. I mean, that's how clear I remember God speaking and giving me a green light. March the 27th around 4 p.m. 2005. I remember because it was Easter weekend and I fasted from Good Friday to Easter Sunday. And I said, Lord, if she's the one, give me a green light because, you know, I was the associate pastor of our church that we had just launched literally a couple of years before with my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, you know, and as a young associate pastor at the age of 19, it's really not cool if you're just dating all the women of the church as the pastor. So, you know, you want to use some discretion and get a word from the Lord. It's common sense. Um, And so I said, God, if she's the one, I don't want to waste any time. I want to know so that I can move forward. I see I was getting guidance from the Holy Ghost. After three days of fasting and prayer, I'm sitting in my room uh, with my back up against the bed, and he, and the Lord said, yep, yep, she's the one. She's Dude, I didn't waste any time. I sent a text to my mom and said, you can stop praying for a wife. I found one. And uh, I don't know if she thought I ran off to Vegas and got married or what, but anyway, I was like, you can stop praying for a wife. I found one. And then I second text I sent was to Carolyn. I said, are you free tonight? And she was like, well, I'm working right now, but you know, I'll be free later tonight. And I was like, I'm picking you up from your job. We're going to go on a date, you know, cause I'm, you know, I'm pushy like that. And she was like, okay. And so I, I showed up, you know, at her work, I went and stopped and got a single rose and stood by the car. I was even trying to think like, what position should I be standing in to be the most desirable for the, you know, I'm just like weirdo. I'm throwing vibes out from the car, leaning, I'm waiting for her to come out of her work. She was a, uh, a waitress at a restaurant and she came out in all her glory and she was still in her work outfit with the apron on and all that stuff. And I was like, let's go. She was like, you're not even going to let me go home and change to go out on this date. I was like, absolutely not. I'm not missing, wasting one moment. Do you know on that first date, I was so sure because of the leading of the Holy Spirit uh, on that first date after we went out and and whatever it was, we did movie, went to IHOP. I can't remember. I'm a big spender. So, you know, Um, but (laughs) say all the pancakes you want, just keep it under $5. Um, No, I'm kidding. Uh, so she, she says to me, um, we get talking in the car and all of a sudden it comes out, literally it comes out and I'm like, um, I love you. I am in love with you, girl. Literally all, all, all in one night. I want to marry you. We're going to have a life together. We're going to have kids together. We're going to travel and minister together. And that would freak most girls out. But guess what? She also can hear from the Lord. She also can be led by the spirit. And you know what happened when I told her all those things? You know what she said to me? I know. 
And when she said, I know, you talk about the joy of confirmation. I felt like dancing around my car. And she said, I know. You know why? Because the same Holy Spirit that had a plan for me that spoke to me is the same Holy Spirit that had a plan for her that spoke to her. But if you don't ask for God's guidance, you can make mistakes, you can make the wrong choices, you can end up in the wrong places, and God doesn't want that for you because he loves you that much. And it angers him when you don't ask him for his guidance and for his advice because he has a plan for you and he wants to unfold that plan in your life so you can have what he's planned for you come to pass. So number one, he doesn't have your praise and worship. Number two, he does not have you asking for his guidance until you do. And finally, he's upset in this in this Old Testament passage because he said now, number three, they don't even seek my blessings. They don't even seek my blessings. He doesn't have that until you do it. He wants you to seek after his blessings. You know, I hear people that are so religious, like, well, brother, if God never did another thing for me. We get it. You know, you're thankful for all he's done in the past. Praise God. But that's not how God is. God doesn't stop doing things for you. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For they that come to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you got to understand that God's uh, mode of operation is that he's actively seeking to reward you. He wants you to be seeking his blessing, his reward. And see, it makes him happy. That's what this verse is showing us. It's showing us that it makes him happy when you seek his blessings. Makes him happy when you seek his rewards. And so, because you know why? It's because that's the massive part of his nature. It's one of the main ways that he interacts with his children by blessing them. I was actually reading these scriptures today on um, our Facebook live broadcast this morning that, you know, I can't believe these people that think God does evil things to his children. James chapter one, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the father above in whom there is no variation. He doesn't change. He loves you just as much today as he did yesterday. Check back with him two years from now. He'll still love you just as much then as he does now. He doesn't change. And every good gift comes from him. Not evil gifts, good gifts. Matthew 7 says he's a loving heavenly father who gives good gifts to people who ask him. And so it blows my mind when people act like, you know, God's the source of their trial and tribulation and all the issues they're going through. No, he wants you to seek his rewards, his goodness, his mercy. Seek my blessing. He said, I'm upset with them because they do not seek my blessing. I had somebody recently that told me, you know, they're not, they're not interested, you know, in the blessing of God. They're just serving God out of devotion. They don't want the blessing. They don't want, no, as if they're too good to receive the blessings of God. That's crazy. It upsets God when you don't seek his blessing. Why? Because one of the massive character traits that he has is he loves to bless his children. Notice what happens. The Bible says the, uh, if you look at Matthew chapter six and verse 33, you know the principle that when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
see. So what? here's the, your side of it. He said, if you're dedicated to my kingdom, if you're seeking after me with your whole heart, you're moving me by faith. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto your life. You know what that is? That's the reward you get for making the kingdom your priority. He said, well, brother, that's talking about spiritual things. No, not really. Read in context Matthew chapter 6, and he's answering the questions, what should we eat? What should we wear? Where should we live? How will we be taken care of? And he talks about the, the animals. They don't have to think about that. The sparrows don't have to think about what they'll wear, where they'll sleep, where they'll live, what they'll eat. In fact, the Bible says that it's wicked people that think that way. But when you have a heavenly father who loves you, when you make his kingdom your priority, then you understand he has rewards set aside for his children that put his kingdom first. In fact, one of the things that I say a lot that I live by is this, and I base it on scriptures like Matthew 6, 33 and Deuteronomy 28, 1, where he said, if you'll obey all that I command you to do this day, that I'll set you on high above all the nations of the earth, and you can read all the blessings, verses 1 through 14, but he says, I'll bless you. And you understand, I say this all the time because it gets you thinking. God puts you where you put him. God puts you where you put him. If he's first in your life, he'll make sure you're a priority in his life. If you're the last, if he's the last thing on your plate, he gets your leftovers, leftover time, leftover money, leftover, no, You understand, people that don't honor God, they don't get the honor of God. Put him first, and he'll put you first. And so I want to pray for every person that's listening to this today that God would give you a hunger like never before, a passion for the kingdom, that you'll never lose your praise. You'll never you know, take action in your life and make decisions without asking God for his guidance, and that you'll never stop seeking his blessings. You'll never stop seeking his blessings. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for everybody that's listening. I pray that you'd give them a fire in their spirit. Don't let their fire go out. Don't let them lose their zeal. Don't let them lose their hunger. No, the more you bless them, let their hunger increase with their blessing. In Jesus' name, let us, as you said to the prophet Jeremiah, if you'll search after me with your whole heart, you'll find me. Let us continue to search after you with our whole heart so that we can receive your blessings and make you happy in everything that we do in your kingdom. Empower us to be impactful for your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, open doors for us this year like we've never had come open for us. In the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for it, and I give you all the praise and the glory. Amen. Listen, I want to remind you, don't forget, this coming Wednesday, I got a special guest on the program, Miss Jenya Jackson, the Queen Bee, Jenya Cherie, is going to be back with me on the podcast for Worship Wednesday, and we're going to be talking about something you're not going to want to miss something that jumped into her spirit. She called me on the phone. We talked about it. I was like, we got to put that on a podcast. It's coming this Wednesday. Don't miss it. Share it with somebody. Listen, as we're logging off, take a minute to screenshot um, this uh, podcast and share it on your social media, Instagram, uh, you know, your Facebook page, your Twitter, your MySpace, your Friendster, uh, whatever it is that you use. Uh, 
It doesn't matter if you want to just go to the climb up onto the roof of your house and cup your hands around your mouth and shout out to the mountaintops. Listen to the Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. podcast. However you want to do it. Help us out. Let more people see it. It'll be a blessing to them as it's been to you. Thanks for everybody writing in. I appreciate hearing from you guys and how much you're enjoying the podcast. That means a lot to me. And uh, listen, if you'll do me a favor, if you've never done this yet, last thing I'll ask of you, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, leave me a review, be very kind, be very, uh, you know, complimentary. And when you do, I'll buy you a chalupa, put it into an envelope and mail it to your face. It's going to be wonderful. I love you guys. Listen, don't forget until next time, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 